there there we go <laughs> that hits the spot that hits uh, and welcome to uh the accelerative thrust podcast how's everyone doing out there oh oh wait you you can't answer that <laughs> <laughs> We're fucking great. Exactly. <laughs> 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 you see, I got the mic and you don't. Uh, how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing okay. Uh, I don't know. Not a lot happening, you know. It's same as it's ever been or however that. Oh, come on. You got you to throw in the Talking Heads <laughs> reference. Same as it ever right. was. Right. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, it's snowy. It's cold. Um, it's winter in Iowa. Houses, um, the the air is diseased. Well, you know, the standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like weird, you know, like at all. It's just... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the government's being actively overthrown. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> just yeah I mean, regular spit. When has yeah. that never happened? You know, when has that never happened right, in our lifetime? Like, all the time. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that, you know. Uh, I, um, yeah. you, you know how I mentioned, uh, I think last episode, how, uh, <coughs> excuse me, how I'm coughing, um, but, um, how I, uh, I've been getting, so you, to, breathe, you breathe, you breathe that air, yeah, the disease there, you, you breathe that air, that's true, that's true. I stepped outside, that's where I went wrong, yep. can't do it, um, <laughs> You know how I talked about how I was getting into comics again? I think yeah. either it was last episode or it was one of those conversations, one of those updated conversations that uh, maybe you listeners will be lucky enough to hear <laughs> if we decide yeah. to do bonus episodes because that's exactly the kind of bonus episodes we're going to do. You know it. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead and smash that subscribe button. And <laughs> extra extra content then you can really start to dislike our podcast um but uh what i was gonna say uh so i've been getting into comics um i've been reading this really fantastic comic uh, graphic novel that i checked out from the uh, library uh from the 80s called moon shadow you ever heard of this no no i haven't dude the art is absolutely breathtaking and it um it's a style that I feel really wasn't done much in the eighties because it's a, mm -hmm. it's a reprint of a 12 issue series. And what it is like, I'm horrible at explaining plot points, but just a real brief summary. Basically it's about the main character's name is Moonshadow, who mm -hmm. is a kid who, uh, whose mother mated, with an alien, uh, a member of an uh, alien race. And mm. uh, they're known as the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think it's the Geodosis. Mm. It's like, it's a really weird, but anyway, you know the Izzes from the Max? No. Did you? Did sorry. You, oh, I don't I'm, know much about things. Okay, well, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> did you? So, did you ever read the Max from Image Comics? No. Did they make a cartoon about it yeah. on TV? Yeah. They, well, I did see some of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I so never read it. There were these little, like, white creatures um, mm, yeah. called Izzes, spelled I-S-Z. Mm -hmm. And uh, the basically what the Geodoses are, are these, like, 
balls of light that fly <laughs> around and they serve no purpose. And when they do actually like appear on Earth, they mm -hmm. have smiley faces. Wow. But they have absolutely no purpose, basically. <laughs> and it's just that, like smiley faces. Yeah, just like smiley faces. They're like literally flying smiley faces. Huh. And uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to give away because, you know, I mean, I, I don't know any, I don't know if anybody, I mean, you can go to the library in Muscatine and check it out if you want. I'm sure that maybe somebody has heard of this. It, it, it's something I came across by chance because I was specifically looking for science fiction comic mm -hmm. books. And uh, this showed up in the recommendations of uh, the the search engine of the library. Um, oh, cool. So anyway, um, yeah. Did you, you listen to the song "Moon Shadow" by Cat Stevens on repeat while you while you read it? Uh, maybe I will now. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a. I wonder if that if there's any connection to that. Uh, oh. Well, yeah, I don't know. Reason why I say that because I'm sure the Cat Stevens song. Probably came out in what the sixties, seventies. It was on uh, what is that record? The Tiller Man, T for the Tiller Man. Okay. No, I can't remember. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no. I don't know all. I don't know everything about Cat Stevens. <laughs> well, you're in luck. You're in luck because I know everything about Cat Stevens. Oh, good. Um, Teaser, it's on teaser and the fire pack. Okay, Damn. all right. That's that's an interesting that's an interesting title. Um, it's a good record. It really is. <laughs> see, I've I've never really heard. I mean, I've heard of Cat Stevens. I think my dad has a couple of their record or his records. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the reason why I say that is because you know how like especially in the eighties and nineties, it seemed like a lot of the more obscure comic book artists and creators, mm -hmm. they loved music it seemed like and so mm -hmm. they would always reference like i remember the sandman uh comics from neil gaiman mm -hmm. would always have like you know while somebody's getting murdered in a bathtub the song mr sandman would be they would mm -hmm. caption it sure. like okay that's playing in the background you know right. <laughs> so you had to like picture like somebody getting murdered in a bathtub listening to like an oldie song or something I mean, I usually am doing that, but yeah, <laughs> That's, I like that it leads you there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe, maybe the whole purpose of this book is f to make people discover Cat Stevens' Moonshadow and that album. Could I don't be. know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But it's a really interesting the way that I just huh. described it. Like, like I told you, I'm very horrible at describing things. Like I'd be the worst like movie reviewer or, or just book reviewer because that's that, that what I just told you would that would that would be my reviews that would get published and I would probably lose my job after the first <laughs> review because that's literally as far as I'm going to go cuz I'm always afraid that like number 1 I'll screw something up and number 2 I'll spoil it because I've actually right. gotten in trouble for spoiling stuff before like on accident because I don't think about like, Oh, not everybody else in the universe, you know, has seen this or like, I remember there was, a, yeah. there was a period of time I was watching the walking dead mm -hmm. 
And uh, did you ever watch that? Uh, I watched the first couple seasons, yeah. Okay. Well, there was like, th- this is going to be a, a spoiler, but I it's years ago, so I don't think it really matters. <laughs> Unless you want me to not spoil it and you're, you think you're going to watch yeah. anything <laughs> bad. Okay. Honestly, any show that gets past like seven seasons, there's no way in shit I'm ever going to watch it. Sa- like, yeah, same here. It's that exactly one or two seasons tops. That's that's what yeah. you're going to get out of me. But uh, anyway, uh, so Herschel died. I think at the end of like, do you remember Herschel, the character? Or, I don't know how far you got into the series, but who was it? Herschel was, was the he an old, old yeah, guy? yeah. He was an old guy who they they ended up on his farm. On his farm, yeah. I remember yep. That. Okay, so yep. Herschel got Herschel died. Did you get that far in the series? Do you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so Herschel died. I think that's when I was kind of not paying attention anymore. And yeah, ultimately stopped. Well, because this this would have been about season three probably might have been the end of season two i I don't remember but anyway i decided it was a great idea to get on facebook and and uh say r.i.p herschel (laughs) how did that go well i had literally one friend tell me that he just wanted to knock my teeth out uh i mean you know he was of course kidding uh (laughs) but uh or maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But do you still have teeth? Oh, <laughs> uh, all except one. Oh well, then I guess he was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, it's like I didn't think about the fact that like okay, yeah, there are other people besides me that right. <laughs> you know are watching this show, and some of them didn't get to see the episode last night, yeah. and they for so yeah, that's how why I would be like. Nobody should hire me as a movie <laughs> or book reviewer because I would just spoil it for everyone. Especially if I hated the movie. If I hated the movie, right. I would just be like, "Look, I'm gonna save you some. Yeah, I'm gonna save you some <laughs> agony here." But um, music reviews obviously are a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to spoil. Yeah, it, you're so supposed to spoil music like reviews. I've never heard of anybody getting mad about, oh my God, you said that that <laughs> sounded like the cure. I want to knock your teeth. And then I listened to it, and then it did. <laughs> and then and it I'm did, pissed. and I'm pissed. Yeah. You could have right. totally just hid that. You didn't have to say <laughs> it. <laughs> you could have let it be a surprise for me. <laughs> exactly. Even though I only listened to it because you said it sounded like the cure. <laughs> <laughs> If somebody says that something sounds like the cure, I'm probably not going to... That would be like a deterrent for me. Uh, not, really? Not, oh, my God. Not because I hate the cure. Not because I dislike the cure. I oh, don't okay. dislike the cure. Okay? But I am going to say this. Okay. And you might you might heavily disagree with me here. I, I'm not a huge fan of the cure. Like, I like... A couple, three albums. Mm-hmm. And I, I I will admit, it's because I haven't really heard much past those couple, three albums. Those three albums are Disintegration, mm-hmm. um, Wish, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one is, um, uh, what's the one that has Boys Don't Cry? Uh, uh, I think that's just... 
Boys Don't Cry. So that's just a single. Okay. Uh, uh, I think that's, or no, Three Imaginary Boys. Three Imaginary Boys, like, that's it. Right. That's the one. Those are the three yeah. that I'm familiar with. I know Three Imaginary Boys is kind of like when they were still sort of a tinny, almost post-punk yeah. type thing. Post-punk, for sure, yep. Right. Uh, I would say that probably just based on what I've heard, uh, mm. that would be the uh, uh, era that I would probably prefer. Well, they didn't stay there very long, actually, at all. No, it was only so, for like a couple records or even... Or even just that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because then we get into like the real gothy cure. Sure. Like 17 Seconds is sort of in between Three Imaginary Boys and the super goth stuff. But like Faith and Pornography um, are just, just uh, slogs. They're just like the most depressing beautiful goth music of all time it's great but it's challenging but then it's funny that you like disintegration because the two maybe three records before that lead directly to that and it's and they're awesome disintegration's a little darker but like the head on the door and kiss me kiss me kiss me you should definitely check those out i think you'd really like them Okay, uh, um, I, I will. Yeah. I will uh, for sure. I like, am a pretty big Cure fan. Like, I yeah, I actually I really like. <laughs> I actually, I actually knew that about you because we or one of our acquaintances had a conversation mm-hmm. about you liking the Cure. Oh, okay. I thought it was just because I'm a 45, 44 year old goth. <laughs> well, do you like Bajas? <laughs> That, yeah, absolutely. Okay. One, another one of my favorite bands of all time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah, you're definitely a 45-year-old goth then, for sure. I, I like Bajas. Yeah. I really like Bajas. I mean, yeah. they're they're fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to more Cure, I think. Um, I mean, uh, I, I like what I've heard, like I said. But if somebody says, hey, this band sounds a lot like The Cure. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not going to make me jump to them. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. unless they say, okay, well, this is like the cure mixed with Jesus Lizard. In which mm-hmm. case, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would be intrigued by that as well. <laughs> the thing about the cure is, like, there are, I mean, depending on who you talk to, there's at least three or four eras to the band. So it's like, some people really like, you know, like I said, that dark, super gothy cure some people like the poppy cure some people like that disintegration and beyond sort of time period too where it's like still poppy but also still dark um but yeah there's a lot of things to sift through and and find find the cure that you like you know (laughs) sure yeah it's kind of like um you can you can say that a little bit i think i feel uh, and this is going to be a weird comparison, but I'm only saying it just because the way you're kind of talking about the eras of the cure reminds me of eras of Sonic youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because my two favorite, my, my two favorite albums from Sonic youth are their first album confusion and sex confusion is sex, mm-hmm. which is like nobody's favorite album from them. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's like literally like when they were just pretty much 
noise completely with like some melody but not really and then there's also like a really really badly recorded yet glorious cover of i want to be your dog Mm. um so that is my like my first favorite my second favorite is dirty which is Mm. like that's two totally like different right because dirty it was like their butch vig record Mm-hmm. So they were. It was that was almost like the closest that maybe Sonic Youth got to being like super popular. Mm-hmm. You know, like the video yeah. to a hundred percent and things like that. Maybe maybe Goo also with Cool mm-hmm. Thing. You know, right. but yeah. Who knows? Um, music is uh, an interesting thing, and people definitely view view everything in different ways for sure oh yeah well that's what makes it fun exactly exactly so yeah today we're not i i messed up eric i totally forgot about thinking about a local bands oh yeah thing to review so we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about stuff like we're kind of doing now and also we are we do still have three releases to talk about that we were into last week a piece yeah. a piece so like six yeah so six total so we're still gonna be rocking the so strap in <laughs> strap in ladies it's gonna and be gentlemen. a long one <laughs> <laughs> and if you have to leave well, early don't anyway <laughs> cause you might miss Wait, something what did you say I said if you have to leave early don't yeah because you might miss something. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not like you can't. It's not like you can't go back and replay it or anything later. You know. <laughs> no, this is one shot podcast. We uh we actually are uh, hackers now, and so we like know how to like, uh you know hack into everything and make everybody like uh mm-hmm. only be able to listen to it once and then it disappears. It's like uh the uh, the notes on Inspector I Gadget. It. I love your hacking terminology. <laughs> Yeah. So we're big hackers now, which means we totally hack into stuff. Yeah, like that's totally what we do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys Let's know. Let's try it. to dumb it down. It's the, it's like the the, uh, the hacker language. No, no, that's really how hackers talk, though. Remember, yeah. Eric? We're supposed to like not tell them. Uh, right. Because everything I'm saying is made up of numbers, so you can't hear it. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's all threes and. Elms and shit, kind of backwards fours. I don't know. Yeah, something along those lines. I mean, what are you going to do? Exactly. So, yes. So, basically, like, after this message, which is this episode, it will self-destruct. So, you get one chance to listen, ladies and gentlemen. It's embedded with technology. (laughs) Cool technology. Yeah, cool. It's like technology. Really cool stuff. Or wait, hold on. Should I be edgy and say real cool shit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, parental and the, and the and the O's and cool are zeros. <laughs> so deal with that. C zero zero L. It's a bracket. Yeah. There, there we go. So we're like we're stylizing everything yeah. now that we and talk. The L's just like an L because who the L cares? That's what I say. We're using stylized speak terms now. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we probably should get going. Uh, I think you're first today. Am I first today? Okay. I, think so. um, I don't even remember anymore. 
uh, who went when, but I'll go first today. Why the heck not? All right, so the first release right. I am going to talk about is this uh, uh, record from this hardcore punk group called DFL, who are also known as Dead Fucking Last. A little bit of history with this band. Um, they uh, started out on the Beastie Boys label, Grand Royal. They put out their first record. Uh, it was called um, My Crazy Life. And uh, they had a song called The Mosher on it. Legend has it, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but legend has it that at one time, that song was in the Guinness Book of World Records. I think this is bullshit. I don't think this is true. But it would be a cool story if it was true. Uh, for being the song that got the most people actually moshing in a room at one time. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. But somebody told me that a long time ago. <laughs> or I read it somewhere. And You always got to believe believe it when somebody just randomly tells you stuff, you know? Um, I... I do. Why would they make that up? I mean, <laughs> what would be the point of making that up? Yeah, that's true. Why would they make it up? Um, but my question is, I've actually tried looking for this. I've tried verifying this, and I can't find any verification. So my question would be where this person got that information. And the only thing I can think of, uh, there was a lot of zines going on around that time. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it was in some zine or something, you know? But mm -hmm. anyway, uh, Ad Rock, or no, was it Ad Rock or Mike D? I think it was Ad Rock. Mm -hmm. One of the members of the Beastie Boys played bass with this group on their first album. And then they, Grand Royal had some sort of, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was a falling out or what the story is, but for whatever reason, they signed to Epitaph. That was in 94 when they put out my crazy life but for whatever reason they signed to epitaph put out their second record called proud to be and uh that was on epitaph in 95 and mm. those two records were part of my teenage like existence man like in like the summer of like 96 when i was 15 16 years old i was listening to both of those records all the time and to the i mean this is probably actually one of my favorite, personal favorite, like just punk bands, period. Um, but anyway, um, their second record, it's interesting, though, because it is Ad-Rock, because he's Adam Horvitz. So on the second album, Adam Horvitz actually is still like in the credits as being like executive producer or something. But the very first mm. song... See, DFL had this... They almost like operated like a hip hop group, you mm -hmm. know, because they would always say their name in their songs, like dead fucking last, you know, they would always scream mm -hmm. that, you know, and um, at the end of the first song off of their second album, Proud to Be, the singer, like the lyrics to that song sounds like they're talking shit about like a record label. And then at the end, hmm. the singer says, goodbye, Grand Royal. So, I don't know. It sounds like they're talking shit about Grand Royal, but Adam Horovitz still served as executive producer. Mm -hmm. And they had a song on the album called Minus Adam, which makes you think that, okay, 
they're talking shit about Adam. He's no longer with the band. Uh, but Adam Horowitz is a guest on that song. <laughs> so it's almost like, it's almost like they're playing like some, I don't know, like inside joke or something or whatever. Maybe that's totally not what it is, but that's what it seems like. Anyway, fast forward, they put out their third record in 97 on Epitaph. And that's this one, Grateful. This is probably my favorite release from them because number one, they released it as one track, but there's actually like 17 mm -hmm. tracks on it. And mm -hmm. it sounds like a rehearsal tape. Like <laughs> that's how they presented it. Like I literally think that's what they did too. I, I mean, it sounds like they just pressed play maybe on a four track or something like that and just, played the song so it sounds super raw and at this time there wasn't really a lot of hardcore punk that was sort of going on like this especially on epitaph records because i mean this was the period of time where bands like rancid mm -hmm. and offspring came from that label um and so <clears throat> it was just a really like interesting to me anyway interesting group to have kind of come out of that but what i really like about this this record is it's it's so just like all their records it's so incredibly heavy and absurdly angry to the point of being absurd at times and i think that they have a sense of humor about it because there's a lot of like on all their records there's there's always these sort of like weird interludes kind of going on and um they kind of just seemed like they sound like a band that just really didn't give a shit uh but then they also did at the same time like like they took their band really seriously but they didn't care if like their recording sounded pristine um yeah so to speak going against the grain or whatever but there's like some really weird stuff on this record too. Like, um, just like the beginning starts off with like 15 seconds of just pure like feedback that is just, you know, it sounds psychotic. And then I don't know if they're messing around with like, like a xylophone or if it's, they're like listening to lounge music and that just happened to be in the background and it, Tots, I don't really know what's going mm -hmm. on. And then all of a sudden it just breaks into this like punishing hardcore. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it just sounds like a rehearsal tape. And I think that's pretty rad. Um, and uh, honestly, Eric, some of this stuff reminded me a little bit of uh, your old band Los Voltage a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, um, I could hear that. Some yeah. of it, some of it reminded me of that. And, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, there's some psychedelic kind of stuff towards the end, mm -hmm. too. Just a little bit of, like, I don't know, like, they just sound like they're just jamming a little bit. Like, you know, it just sounds like a group of guys just sort of maybe getting stoned, getting drunk, maybe. I don't know if that's what they were doing or if they were straight edge or whatever. But then just locking themselves in a room and fuck it, let's just, I don't know, maybe it was their the last record of their contract and they were just like you know what fuck it what do we have to lose we'll just mm -hmm. give epitaph this <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really... This is probably my... I mean, I would recommend anybody who's into hardcore punk, I would recommend giving this band a shot. But I wouldn't start with this record. Uh, maybe. Uh, I, I would definitely start with Proud to Be. That was definitely like a... Uh, a classic album but this is probably my personal i like the way it's presented as just like one track mm -hmm. and uh yeah so yeah i i really enjoyed this record i i've i've listened to this record several times but i was revisiting it pretty hardcore last week yeah awesome i i gotta be honest i at first when i first started this i was like okay this is just gonna be one song and so when it started i was like oh shit they can't just have this one hardcore <laughs> song for 27 minutes right so i listened for a while and things kept happening things kept happening in the production in the songs in the presentation that made me keep going wait something there's something else here. There's something else going on here. And I kept researching it. I probably researched this record more than any of the other ones, even the ones I picked for this week. Right. And here's the reason. Here's the first thing that happened. The album cover looks just like The Battle of Los Angeles by Rage Against the Machine. Yes, it exactly. does. Exactly. Yes, it does. You're totally the, cool. It's Fuck. credited as Mick. Nick did the artwork. No okay? shit. <laughs> There's Holy two crap. band members in this called Nick. And so, but on the Rage Against the Machine one, it's some guy named, I don't know, Joe Kirby or something. It's not Nick. So I'm like, so this came out two years before that. Did they just straight up steal it? I don't know. That's a good anyway, question. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even catch that. Good eye, Eric. I mean, it's exactly. No, yeah. Insane. Now, Now that I'm looking um, at it. I mean, that's something I should have caught right away myself. But yeah. now that I'm it's, looking at it, I'm crazy. like, wow, yeah, that is, that's insane so, how close it is. That was the first thing that started getting me to research this stuff. And then as I listened more, I was like, wait, this is like the Beastie Boys. And I'm not talking about some old bullshit, the hardcore stuff. I'm talking about the rap by the Beastie Boys. A lot of times... One singer will sing the front part of a line, the first part of a line. Another singer comes in and joins him on the second part of the line, which the Beastie Boys do essentially every line of every Constantly. song. Constantly. Constantly. And so I was like, what the fuck? So I looked it up, and then it said Ad-Rock started this band with another dude. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and then as you listen more, it's like there's tons of almost like dub yes. production techniques. All of a sudden there will be like a warble in the sound that you know is on purpose or yes. the vocals will just delay like dub style like for a long time and you're like what the hell is going on yep and it does get sort of psychedelic and yes. um there's songs that have like uh indian tabla and stuff like i would say that in a way this is really like ill communication a lot and so I had to keep looking into it more and more. And the other thing I noticed was, for me personally, this had a, a, a bounce to it um, that a lot of hardcore doesn't. It, uh, some crossover does, like Suicidal. Right. And I, so I was like, these drums are very, very, very much like the first Suicidal record. 
Turns out, AWOL Smith, the drummer for Suicidal, was in this band. So, and he also played On Ill Communication and BS2000. BS2000, yes. So Amory Smith. Yeah, from yeah. Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, it just kept adding up to, like, all these things I was noticing were being verified. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Because yeah. when it started, I was like, okay, yeah, just classic, hardcore, great. But as I listened, it wasn't at all. No. Like, it really does a lot of stuff. And I didn't listen to the other records. And so I don't know if they do all this same crazy bullshit Not... on those. But... I would say this one kind of blew my mind with some of the risks that they took and a lot of the production ideas and how it's presented. I thought it was really cool. And when it first started, I did not expect yeah, to, it, to think that. This this so. is actually, that's actually, I actually was thinking about uh, doing the second one, Proud to Be. Mm-hmm. Um, you ask about the other records that they do a lot of this stuff. Not to the degree that they do on this album. Mm -hmm. There is some of that stuff on the second record, Proud to Be, but Mm -hmm. not nearly... Like, Proud to Be is a lot more of a... It's it's still chaotic in its sort of um, fast, well, chaos, (laughs) like, that this record is. But it, like, um, it doesn't have all the crazy shit that this Mm -hmm. record... That's kind of one of the reasons why I picked this this record was because yeah. I I was really curious what you would think of a hardcore band kind of doing some of this stuff. And also Yeah, I be- thought it was great. Yeah. And I, also uh, because also yeah. because again, some of it the approach reminded me a little bit of Los Voltage. Yeah, I can hear that. I can hear the use of delays in there, the the fast breaks, but with long jams and that combination. Um, yeah, for sure. Psychedelic hardcore. It's not something a lot of people have done. So and, and one, I can hear that. One thing real quick before we move on to to, mm-hmm. to your pick. I got to say that what a record like this verifies for me as well is just how much interesting shit the Beastie Boys were involved with after License to Ill. Yeah, I mean, sure. because when they started that Grand Royal label, there mm-hmm. was all kinds of shit like this, like weird shit that they were affiliated with from BS2000 to Luscious mm-hmm. Jackson to Ben Lee and Noise Addict, uh, Brand Van 3000. Uh, mm-hmm. And, I mean, just all kinds of weird... There was that country album that Mike D put out. Mm-hmm. Uh you ever heard that one? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he went by the name. Uh, Country Mike, I think, is what he's called. <laughs> I think he, it's it, and it's really good. It's almost. Huh. I think it might even predate like Twelve Golden Country Greats by Ween. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I mean, it's. I'll have to check it out. Maybe it doesn't predate. Yeah. Maybe it came out later. I don't remember. I, I, I don't think you can find it on like record or cd or anything like that i think basically youtube has it um anyway so yeah uh i'm glad i'm glad you liked it eric oh yeah i i was really surprised by it like i said when it started i was like okay here we go (laughs) yeah 
And not that I don't like hardcore. It's just like it. Sometimes when things are newer, but they're trying to capture a sound of something older, like I don't necessarily give it that much interest. Not, not always, but when it comes to certain genres, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're trying to sound like this and you're doing it great. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I expected, but no, I was blown away at the end of the day. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So my first pick is Code 9, K-O-D-E 9, plus Space Ape. Um, and this is called Memories of the Future. Uh, I don't remember what year that came out. Uh, let me see. Um, anyway, it's a, uh, it's just pretty deep dub, uh, electronic dub. Um, and it looks like 2006 it came out. Um, I think that it's uh, done really well. The songs are, or the pieces, however you want to look at it, they're long, they're pretty dense. Um, Space Ape's vocal delivery is really interesting. Uh, it's almost drone-ish to an extent. Um, I... One thing I really like about the production of this, though, is that they keep pretty much every song will have a sound like a reed instrument. have to believe that's on purpose since it happens every song. Um, and I think that Memories of the Future, that idea, that might be part of it. So a lot of songs have actual samples of accordions or other reed-type instruments or they create a reed sound with synthesizers. Um, it's basically subtractive synthesis. You have a square wave, probably a couple of them, combine them, detune them, and you raise the attack so it comes in slowly, and it's like, you know, it makes a reed instrument sound. Anyway, that didn't need to be said, probably. Um, but <laughs> so every song on here, for some reason, has these sort of reed instrument sounds to it um i think that it's really cool my only thing about this record is i think it could have been quite a bit shorter i don't think they accomplished anything in the second half hour that they didn't in the first half hour but if you're sitting around and you just want to chill like deep hard chill this will get you there and keep you there for an hour uh i think it's pretty straightforward kind of electronic kind of um synthy dub stuff I, I um yeah with these picks i usually pick them at the beginning of the week and then i listen to them so sometimes i don't have a million nice things to say about them but as far as dub goes if you are not into it and you are looking for a place to get into it i think this is pretty accessible it's uh deep and bassy and funky and like i said the space apes vocals are super cool and um drawing in so yeah what do you think dan well i um first of all let me say i love the name the space ape yeah <laughs> and i also love the name memories of the future yeah. as well as code nine and so i gotta say that for me this is exactly what you were you mentioned before is um number one i have to agree with you right off the bat about the length of the mm -hmm. project i think 
for me personally, it would have probably benefited if it was maybe eh, a good three or four songs shorter, like you right. like you mentioned. Um, I did think that towards the last half of the record, uh, I, I did think it kind of got a little uh, repetitive. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, yeah, this is perfect, like, chilling music. This is the kind of music that I would put on if I was, you know, cleaning or if I wanted to do something like, because as chill as it is, I could also imagine myself being productive listening to it mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way. Um, I I didn't, I wouldn't say that it was 100% a record that I got into, um, it's like, you know, I, I don't dislike it. I think that it was really interesting. And I, um, I think that, um, the use of, uh, of effects and electronic sounds, um, were very fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. I think I only listened to this once. Mm-hmm. And so my suspicion is something like this, because it's largely, we've talked about dub music before and how I like a lot of dub music. And this is definitely a different take on it, uh, compared to something like the scientist or something like that, you know, but like, um, uh, this version of dub is something that I think I would have to, uh, be exposed to, uh, probably beyond just like one listen before I would Mm -hmm. fully like, you know, get it. But I do think that, um, I do think it was interesting. It was definitely an entertaining lesson for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, but it would be, I I think right now I would say that it's not something that I would, me personally, that I would revisit a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, sure. but it, it definitely had its place. And I could see mm-hmm. how it would appeal to a lot of different people. This kind of stuff is popular all over the place it's like it's like Mm -hmm. really like electronic music like the stuff that's kind of in this vein like Mm -hmm. whether it's dubstep or whether it's like electronic dub or even like drum and bass jungle music stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's i feel like it's more of a something you have to like experience than just listen to Mm -hmm. in other words I, I think stuff like this would be really cool to see live, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. or just to kind of go and just, you know, like, like, I feel like a social experience would enhance, you know what I mean? For sure. This kind yeah. of, this kind of thing. And uh, I feel that same way about like something like baby metal, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. like baby metal is not something that I would listen to. Are you familiar with baby metal? Yeah, well, uh, I I've heard a couple songs. Okay, yeah. it's not. I haven't something, listened to it much. <laughs> it's not something that I would listen to, but mm-hmm. if like, I mean, if somebody was like, "Hey, you want to go see baby metal? What else are you <laughs> gonna do?" I think it would right. be an interesting live experience. You yeah, know? and so that's kind of how I feel about this kind of music, in general, it, even dubstep, because mm-hmm. dubstep I think is interesting, but I think it would be more interesting just to kind of see live you know right yeah for sure yep so yeah i mean i i I definitely enjoyed it um you know don't get me wrong but 
yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not sure if I would come back to it a lot, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, okay, so that, that, that's the next one. Um, so this actually, um, <laughs> this next one I'm going to talk about is from a group called Mile Marker. And it's called Ominosity. Or Ominosity. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not really 100% sure. But, okay, I'm going to, this is going to sound really weird. Um, this is probably my uh, least favorite album from this band, hmm. uh, Mile Marker. So I actually chose um, this week my least favorite album from this band at least so far, but I'm starting to get into it more, which is why I chose it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of... Um, are you familiar with Mile Marker at all, Eric? Nope. This was my introduction. Okay, so... Dang. Maybe I should have <laughs> picked a different record. Uh, so Mile Marker were a band that existed in the late 90s kind of hardcore scene uh, with a lot of electronic influences thrown in they were kind of like imagine if like something along the lines of like at the drive-in uh meshed with craft work <laughs> like mm-hmm. as odd as that sounds that's they had a really great record called frigid form cell um and uh that probably is my favorite record from them mm-hmm. although they have a couple of others this record came out and it was their last record they put out before they broke up but they have since like reunited for some reason, this band, it's one of those bands that just sort of, um, it just fell to the wayside. Like it, there, I feel like in the two thousands, I think this record came out in 2000. I think this, this band could have been maybe a lot bigger or heard of, it's just like a lot of bands that sort of were in that scene that, you know, as soon as the big, like, post-punk sort of thing happened where a lot of new bands, you know, popped out of nowhere and were getting big on MTV and stuff like that. Sort of like the, um, it's the typical story of sort of like the uh, pioneers before them or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Mile Marker was kind of there before any of that. But by the time that they got any sort of recognition, it was already too late and they broke up sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like the last record they put out. And I remember there was a lot of kind of controversy about it because um, a lot of the fans of this band uh, that happened to be a lot of my friends didn't really care for it because there was this sort of... Uh, the stuff they were kind of doing, it was quite a bit different than some of the, some of the um, earlier releases. There's a lot more kind of, I feel, minimalist approach to what they're doing on this record compared to, um, it's not as intense. Um, mm-hmm. But, and when I first heard it, I kind of agreed with everybody about it. Um, but now that I listen to it as a, 40 year old adult um it definitely um i i hear it through different different ears i think it's actually a very interesting album 
and mm. it's it's starting to creep up to maybe possibly being uh you know one of my favorites from this group mm. um like i said this this band uh they just kind of they were pretty popular within a scene and mm. then they just kind of fizzled out uh you know, before they, I think I saw them at Gabe's in Iowa City, and I want to say they were playing with Girls Against Boys or somebody like that. Mm. Although I could be wrong, um, I do remember the singer Al Burian. He um, used to do this uh, zine. I think they lived in Chicago, mm. and the name of the zine was called Burn Collector. And it was uh, very liberal. And I remember he uh, said to the audience that um, Iowa City is supposed to be the most liberal city in uh, Iowa. And just down the street, there's a huge swastika painted on the side of a building. Hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. remember like everybody in the audience just kind of like stood there sort of just well, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, well, we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do it, exactly. It was sort of like, I do remember that I, I found that kind of a little, hmm. I, I, I didn't quite know what to think of that because it almost sounded like he was like, you know, blaming us, like you guys should hmm. be uh, a little more um, on alert about what other people do in your city. And it's like, at the yeah. end of the day, there's nothing that any of us can do if some piece of shit wants to you know paint a swastika yeah. on the side of a building you know i mean what are we what are we going to do we're at a we're at a punk show i do yeah. remember having that sort of that sort of reaction to it but they put on a really stunning performance nice and uh so yeah um yeah i mean if you're into like the post hardcore this one i think has a lot of atmospheric sort of stuff going on maybe a little bit of studio experimentation. Sometimes the songs don't necessarily feel like complete. And I don't know if that's kind of on purpose or not, but um, uh, yeah, there definitely seems to be some kind of uh, uh, weird, yeah, it's kind of a weird album. Um, what did you think of it, Eric? Um, well, uh, again, when it started, um, I was like, Okay, this is, this seems like kind of like the uh, hardcore or emo stuff that I totally missed, and so I don't know anything about it. Um, but as I listened again, I had almost the same experience with Mile Marker as I did DFL. Oh I, yeah, I'm really glad. It, it sounds like that you picked this recording versus the other ones. Because coming into this blind, I didn't really know they were a hardcore band, actually. I looked on Spotify, you know, like the, um, if you like this, you might like this. What do they call it? Fans. Fans also like, I guess. Yeah, recommended if yeah. you like or something like that. And so, and it was all hardcore bands or emo slash hardcore bands. And I was like, what the hell? And the reason was is because I really don't hear it. Like... I hear that they're screaming sometimes, and I hear that there's like dissonant, jangly, kind of angular guitar stuff happening sometimes. But really, honestly, this sounded to me 
almost just like so you know brainiac right yeah 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 so there was brainiac and then the singer died and the other dude went on to do enon right i honestly feel like this it could be a bridge between brainiac and enon like it's still really aggressive and there's a lot of screaming and stuff and a lot of dissonance and noise but it is really poppy like there were moments that it just sounded like a heavy rentals to me. Yeah. Like, and it was it's awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Brainiac's one of my favorite groups ever. Oh, they're so it, good. I think that it had so much of that sound to it. Like, it wasn't until like I said I looked at the other bands that you're supposed to check out if you liked and stuff where I was like, oh shit, this is a hardcore band. Like I had no idea, and so. I came away from it being like, I don't know, this is really good electronic punk rock or like even just experimental um, synth music like Brainiac. Like, I seriously did not know this was hardcore music. And so (laughs) um, I ended up, I think, having a different experience than most people would with this because I didn't go into it expecting it to sound like anything. And so yeah. what I got were, like, really great synths, uh, arpeggiated synths throughout. It's kind of poppy at times. The vocals were poppy at times. And I just I came away from it feeling like, wow, this could set right in there with Causeway and Brainiac and, you know, uh, Trans Am and things like that. I had no idea it was hardcore music. So, yeah, yeah. It, I think, <laughs> it's I think, interesting. And I think that that's... That like what you just described that that probably is my experience because I was familiar with their stuff before this, which is a little mm-hmm. bit more hardcore, but not when I say hardcore, I mean like at the drive-in ish, right? You know, like yeah. post-hardcore or whatever. Yeah, you know stuff like that. Um, so it sounds like uh, it's a good thing I picked this record then because uh, I think so. I think I really you probably <laughs> and you know. I, I think it's a good thing also i was going between this or frigid form cell and i ultimately picked this one because this record is really starting to grow on me now i mean mm-hmm. it took a while uh you know I, I i listened to it when it first came out and kind of just didn't have any interest in mile marker after they broke up and then i just for some reason this came back to me in a big way this mm-hmm. week and uh so yeah it's a weird album um i think and but weird in a good way and uh Mm -hmm. you know when i say that it's my least favorite mile marker record right now i don't really mean that i don't mean that in a a negative way like i mean it's it's just you know like i still love it you know what i mean but it's working its way up you know Mm -hmm. because they have a lot of albums before this like futurisms is one changing carry carrying humans anesthesia Mm -hmm that are all just like classics to me, you know? Like I just, mm-hmm. I listened to them so much like when I was younger, like in my early twenties. And I don't remember what year this one came out, but yeah, it, I do think it is a fantastic record. And actually, um, I can definitely see the comparisons to like Brainiac and Trans Am. I think, mm-hmm. I think even in their earlier works, if you ever go back and listen to their earlier stuff, Eric, 
Um, mm-hmm. I think you'll hear that in. Uh, I think you'll cool. hear those comparisons in that as well. I think their earlier stuff was a lot more accessible than this record, and mm-hmm. so which I think is. I, I think it's a good thing that they, you know, put out a record that was just weird and in a good yeah. way. You know what I mean? I, I really, I really dig it. Yeah, it's it's becoming definitely. I wouldn't be surprised that this becomes my favorite mile mile marker record at some yeah. point. I'm glad it's the first thing I heard because I really liked it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. there we go. <laughs> nice. All right. So yeah. uh, pick number two for you. Uh, my second one is an album called Crushing by Julia Jacqueline. It came out in 2019. I first heard of this on Facebook because uh, Dave from House of Large Sizes posted that he had been listening to it so i was like okay i'll check it out um and i will say that overall this is again pretty normal i know i had a pretty normal pick last week um but every once in a while i just kind of like things that are you know kind of normal so um i think that the songs on here are are the standout i think the songwriting is really good like i put up with a lot of like music that's weird for weird sake and the production and the sound is and everything like that is the important part to that but when i hear someone i really think is writing really actually amazing songs the go places you don't expect are well crafted they're pretty the words have been thought about and uh i think this falls into that i think they're just great songs um i think that she has a really cool voice that seemingly can do just about anything um it has a cool sort of lo-fi production feel to it it's really bassy like i think if you had this on vinyl it would pop it out of the grooves honestly like it's just so lo-fi um but yeah, it, overall, I would say that this is sort of like, it seems like a breakup album, um, but it's it's like the regular breakup album where you're like, the person's getting through the breakup, sort of. Um, but what's really cool about it is that it's not like angry. It's not angry at the person, and it's not just sad. Like, she's advocating for what she wants out of a future relationship, what she wants for herself. Um, there's a lot of, um, uh, like body autonomy, uh, stuff in here, which I know sounds strange, but it's like, it's important for people to have those voices. Cause I don't think we ever really have. I think that there's still a lot of love for the ex in this, uh, sort of breakup album. Like in a real way, I think they re- she it seems to really care about this person still, and it makes it even more heartbreaking that it's not angry and sad that it's like someone really cares about someone but they can't be with them. It, I just think it's a really cool experience to go through this record, and there are moments where it just seems really poppy and things like that, but that's kind of fun too. So, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite things that's come out in the last couple of years. I think that. Uh, I think if you just want really good songwriting and a uh, someone that can do it well, then this is a pretty good record. 
So, yeah, what'd you think, Dan? Yeah, man, uh, I really enjoyed this. Uh, this totally reminds me of the in in a in a sort of in a sort of a weird sort of way. This reminds me of some of the stuff that like my older sister would listen to like in the 90s mm. a little bit like oh yeah juliana hatfield mm-hmm. lisa loeb um a combination of like you know maybe some ani defranco kind of thrown in a little bit but she completely comparisons aside uh julie jacklin totally has like her own voice her own style mm-hmm. the guitar playing is gorgeous mm-hmm. um like you said, I really enjoyed the fact, too, that it was kind of a breakup record from a different perspective than just mm-hmm. sort of being pissed off and bitter. I right. think I think mm-hmm. it's I think it would be much harder to write a breakup song or album that way than mm-hmm. just sort of the the, uh, you know, pissed off or sad way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's absolutely something that I can't. Uh, I mean, I totally um, love the way she pulled that off, um, for sure. The lyrics are great. I definitely um, sounded, you know, adult, sort of indie folk uh, Mm. type stuff. And, yeah, I I really like this kind of stuff now and again, for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. and this, the guitar playing is gorgeous. That's one of the things that really got me, like is just the tone of guitar and it's definitely not simple music but it's you know definitely you know like like you said it's kind of just um a little you know it's 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 a little conventional and Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that you know in fact it's 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 a good thing about it Mm -hmm. you know like that's i mean sometimes that's just that's just what you need and no yeah i absolutely loved it um cool there was one song uh, let me bring up the track list there was one song in particular that really blew me away um Hmm. let me see here yeah julie jacqueline um sorry i'm kind of like uh oh not at all looking up here i'm trying to remember what song it was and I'm probably mm-hmm. not even going to remember. Um, it was later on in the album. I hmm. think it was uh, the track Turn Me Down. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one. So track number nine. Um, I just remember just really loving that song. It, it's either Turn Me Down or it's Comfort. It's like mm-hmm. one of the last two tracks. But I'm going to have to listen to it again. I listened to it a couple of times. Sweet. And yeah, yeah it's it's fantastic stuff. I, I really do enjoy it for cool. sure. Good deal. Yep. Awesome. Okay, so... Oh, did you have something else to say? No, nope, I was going to say what's your last one. Okay, so the last pick that I have is... A singer-songwriter by the name of Anna, and it's spelled A-N underscore N-A. And the name of the record is No Future Is Now Reality. This, I actually got introduced uh, last week 
from our mutual friend or enemy, depending on how you want to look at him, Chuck, that we talked yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Chuck, though. He's been introducing me to a lot of interesting music for being the person that he is. Um, <laughs> no, but um, for real, though, he, he sent me a link to this and mm. said this is a really good album. So I listened to it, and I was pleasantly surprised. It's like mm. um, electronic pop with like an industrial tinge to it. I feel like it's what I would want to hear out of like a, like, I don't even want to call her a pop singer because she really isn't. It's not, it's kind of difficult for me to explain actually, but it's got like sort of like an arty pop sort of thing going on. Um, and uh, I don't know. They're, the last song, Punks, I think is absolutely crazy. Um, mm -hmm. And I just really like the beats. I like her approach to vocals and... I just thought it was a really interesting record. Um, and it just came out, I think, last year. Or maybe it came out this year. I don't remember. Uh, it came out last year, the tail end of last year, 2020. I have a feeling that if I would have uh, heard this before we made our um, picks of 2020, I probably would have put this <laughs> on my list. Nice. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I... Um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I like this kind of stuff. Sometimes I don't. But when I do, it really hits home. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's something about it. I don't really have a lot to really say other than I just thought it was dope. Well, what do you think, Eric? Uh, yeah, I liked it quite a lot. Um, I will say that for me personally, it was um, very much just very straightforward industrial dance goth music like, sure from the 90s like it sounded a lot like front 242 or frontline assembly nitzer ebb like the industrial stuff that sort of happened before or adjacent to all the industrial that used like distorted electric guitars because there were sort of different kinds of industrial music and so like industrial dance was a different sort of thing but um this very much almost feels like a, a retro group in a, in a sense like someone doing that style of music which is awesome i really like it when people do that actually um because they have the whole of that entire time period to draw from it's kind of like um, there's a neo-thrash band called uh, Municipal Waste who are yeah. phenomenal. Yes. And the reason they're phenomenal is because they literally have every thrash album ever made to listen to and be inspired by and learn from. And even though like they're sort of taking the piss out of it, like they're funny, the music itself, they're amazing. And the, I do think it's because they're, they're not really having to invent things. They just take the best things and use it. So I think this is sort of in that same vein. It's like very just goth industrial dance. And it's like really well done. And the vocal performance is really cool. It's like really um, 
nihilistic sounding, very sort of deadpan, which is perfect. Um, I think the songs are cool. Uh, yeah, I love the whole thing. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, sometimes groups that are doing sort of um, an older thing can be annoying. I didn't find this that way at all. I thought it was really like there was a lot of nods to the past, but still covering some new ground. So I think it's great. I think that if you like that stuff and you've listened to all the old records, then why not listen to a new record? And with that being said, there's also a group called uh, She Wants Revenge, who if you like this, I would check that out too. They're a new group, but it's like um, kind of like Bauhaus and um, that sort of thing, but new. So I'll, I'll slip an extra uh, recommendation in there too. There you <laughs> but, go. No, I, I think this was really good. So, so I got to... I got to actually correct myself. Um, I thought this whole time that Anna was just one person. You, oh, you are actually right. It, it's a, it's actually a duo. Uh, two getting mm. two people from Quebec named Elaine and Anna. Oh, and uh, and yeah, I just found this out. So it's not. I thought it was like one person. Like gotcha. That you know, that's what I thought. That's how how recent I was introduced to this project. Right. <laughs> I totally agree with you though. I was trying to find the right words because there are times where it sounded like it was like somebody like like a like a girl doing trying trying to kind of do like almost like a like a pop thing, but then it would turn into like dark techno sort of thing, you know? Right. Like dark techno and then the goth thing and See, I'm largely unfamiliar with a lot of industrial. That's why I didn't, I was struggling to try and compare because really my knowledge of industrial start, it begins and ends with Ministry and Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. I've sure. never right. really listened to, uh, you know, Front 242 or Skinny mm -hmm. Puppy or K. Yeah, there was a lot of Skinny Puppy kind of sounds in this as well. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I guess I was struggling to kind of, Mm -hmm. But, dude, if that's how this stuff sounds, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of that stuff. Yeah, I, think. I will say that this is a little more um, uh, straightforward and song-based, which is a good thing. So you Because can... a lot of those old records, they are, they're relying on the sounds that they're making. Sure, it's like the more... The songs aren't really anything. They're, it's just like a guy going... Stepping in the darkness, right. and, you know, just like <laughs> nonsense, you know, like yeah, yeah. But yeah. this is more a little more song oriented, which is great. But the sounds themselves are right from that era, like one hundred percent. So you could you could see where I was kind of getting, like you know, pop music kind of oh, a little sure. bit. Okay, all yeah. right. Yeah. I was just like, Absolutely. I was trying to like, cause cause I, I also recognize that what this group was doing was also a lot darker than like say you know i don't know ariana grande or something like that you know what i mean like it wasn't like a uh you know like like it, it, it right. definitely so i i was i was struggling to try and find like a comparison there um right so that's yeah i would say song oriented is a little more it is i mean it is poppy in its own sure, way but sure it's not poppy like pop music sure yeah. sure yeah uh, in any situation, it, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, so that, that nice. concludes our 
three releases. Do you have any? Um, well, I also have one left. Do you have one left? Uh huh. What? Oh yes, you do. Holy shit! I am so sorry, Eric. <laughs> Holy okay. shit! Not only that, <laughs> it's like what the fuck, man. I am totally off of it tonight, man. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry about that, Eric. Okay, well, so. Right. So you are like, oh my God, we did almost just an hour <laughs> like we planned. So, yeah, that's kind of what... Here I come to Well, that's what I was going to say, that I'm like, holy shit, yeah, no, it doesn't conclude our three. Yeah. Man, I am so sorry, Eric. That's okay. All right. That's all right. So, so third, uh, third one, pick. <laughs> yeah, my last one is a project called White Noise. The record is called An Electric Storm. It came out in 1969. And I actually don't even know where to start with this. Like, literally, I, give me one second. Because, <laughs> okay, first things first. I say this every week about something. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Blah, blah, blah. But for real, I can't believe I've never heard this. This was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, an American who was inspired by the electronic music happening in uh, England at the BBC's Radiophonic Workshop, who up to this point had done like the Doctor Who theme. Uh, Delia Derbyshire uh, was involved in this. Uh, Delia Derbyshire is like an electronic artist. Um, you, Anyone who listens to early... Uh, experimental um, electronic music, uh, you'll they will drop her name. It's just the way it is. Right. Um, so she's one of the four front people along with, oh, I don't even know, uh, Daphne Orum, uh, Harry Kingsley, uh, stuff like that. Um, so anyway, that's the first thing I wanted to say is I can't believe I've never heard of this because... It's right in there with things I should have heard of. Second, this is one of the best things I've ever heard. Like, I know that I have, that I'm hyperbolic. I know I talk out my ass all the time. I know that everything is the greatest, the best, blah, blah, blah. For real, this is one of the best things I've ever heard. I've not heard, I've heard a million things that sound like this, but I've never. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know where this came from. I don't know how they came up with it. I don't hear how they drew anything from anyone else. But everything else that I love seems to sound like this. Like there are moments that sound like the Beach Boys. There's parts that sound like the Perry Kingsley, like in Sound From Way Out. White Light Era Velvet Underground of Montreal and all the Elephant Six. Bruce Hack, United States of America, The Residence, uh, Bell and Sebastian, all, like just so much stuff. And it's crazy. I mean, honestly, I probably could have done it without the 30 seconds of sex noises in the oh, second song, but yes. whatever. <laughs> uh, the thing that makes it different than all of the other stuff, though, like and especially experimental stuff, medium, is the massage and, uh, you know, Morton Sabotnik 
and even Wendy Carlo stuff is like this the, the, these are songs like they are songs and they have really cool melodies and but they're cut up they're sliced up they're panned the synthesizers are sick like I don't know I can't say enough about it I think that if you like any of the stuff that I mentioned like you just have to you have to hear this I, it's just one of the most satisfying listens I've ever had so what do you think Dan? oh man dude <laughs> I have to admit, I, I mean, I have to agree with you 100%, man. This is one of the best things that's ever been released. <laughs> in my opinion, it's like, I can't believe this was recorded in 68, first of all. Yeah. 1968. You've just been killing it with these old, like, just weird recordings, man. First you got me hooked on the Silver Apples. Yeah. Now, now it's like this white noise thing, and... Yeah, I can't even begin to explain it. Parts of it sounded very terrifying, mm -hmm. uh, but in a such a very satisfying way. And all those groups you just mentioned, the Elephant Six, I definitely, like there's no way in hell that the Elephant Six Collective right. didn't sit down and listen right. to this. Or um, like even broadcast or... Broadcast. Um, uh, stereo... Uh, um, Dang, what's that other group? I just forgot their name right when I was about to say it. I I, uh, <laughs> I would say Stereo like, Lab. Sorry. Yeah, Stereo Lab. Yeah. I would say like Add Into X. Yeah, I feel um, like everyone has had this album I, and they've all kept it secret so that they can keep stealing from it and no even, one else knows. Even I even hear like <laughs> I even hear like Ween on this. Sure. You know, like yeah, and Mr. Bungle like Disco Volante. Sure. Some of the spookier parts of disco volante like mm -hmm. sound like it was like borrowed directly from this yeah and it's such a like when i first heard the name i mean you're thinking white noise like mm -hmm. okay so yeah this is going to be a noise record you know that's what i thought i was going to hear you know mm -hmm. that at first impression and then i just heard that first track and it's like love without sound and it's just it's this like beautiful, creepy, sort of weird psychedelic pop or something, you know, like, yeah. and that's kind of what it turns out to be like throughout the entire record is this deranged, I, I, I'm betting David Lynch too, man. Like I kind of hear some of that creepiness of like, you know, yeah. the music that you hear on like Twin Peaks and. Well, not only that, but the sound design elements, too. Like, there's a part where there's drums, that a drum break, and it's sliced and panned, and it's ridiculous. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like, there, I was listening to this, and something happened, I think, on the song The Visitation, which is an 11-minute opus. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But something so crazy happened on it that I said to myself, Jesus Christ, right? And at that exact moment, the singer in the band said, Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't handle that. That's insane. <laughs> I know. That's insane. I remember that. Yeah. yeah it was I remember crazy. I remember that part you're talking about, too. Yeah. Wow. And then that last track, Black Mass. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. OK, here's what's interesting is uh, Travis found a record at Goodwill called Black Mass Lucifer. Have you ever mm. heard of this? 
Uh, I'm not sure. It yeah, was, I don't know. It was a record made in like the 60s or 70s. And I wonder if it has any connection to this at all. Because when I first saw that, I was like, Black oh, wait, Mask. Yeah, by Lucifer. Yeah, okay, so Luc- Lucifer. I have heard that one. So yeah. Lucifer is the name of the band? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's a completely different thing then. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And any in any in any situation, this is just insane, man. I definitely yeah. hear the residents for sure. Mm-hmm. I hear like the residents, no doubt. I mean it's just but the thing is it's su- it's such a how does stuff like this just like come out like in the sixties and we don't hear about it till we're in our twenties. I know. How, do, how does that I, I hate it. Like, it's it just... is so frustrating to, at the age of 44, hear the best album you've ever heard. Yeah. Like, it's... it's good. I'm glad I heard it. But I could have heard this when I was 20, and it would have changed my life. <laughs> well, now, okay, see, and that's probably the difference between you and I, is that mm-hmm. I think if I heard this at 20, I probably wouldn't wouldn't it probably wouldn't have sunken in the way that it does now yeah that's a good point for me that's a really good for me when i was 20 i still wanted to hear heavy music i still Mm -hmm. wanted to hear basic screaming i still wanted to hear converge there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with converge i love converge but that's what i wanted to hear yeah, I, that's a really good point. I, I think, think that you're right. I think, I think this would have come off as pretty damn goofy. I, I'm kind of glad that I heard it now because I, I'm I'm afraid that if I would have heard this at the age of 20, mm-hmm. I just would have dismissed it as some sort of art album or something that just right. is boring and stupid. And I wouldn't have seen the, the um, beauty and the genius of it. Yeah. At age mm-hmm. twenty, it, that, there's a lot of stuff. Residents, I was like that with the residents, yeah. like at age twenty, uh, until I was like in my thirties, until I heard "Meet the Residents," because mm-hmm. I bought a residence, the uh, greatest hits, residents record or whatever. Uh, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not called Greatest Hits. Petting Zoo. Oh yeah. Which has mm-hmm. like two songs from every album up until then, mm-hmm. and I just remember listening to it, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, this is kind of cool, but I don't see what the hype is. You know, I, don't... I liked it better when Brian has covered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of was just like, I don't know what this, right. I don't know what everybody's getting, you know. And then I just yeah. like, I bought Meet the Residents for, for no reason whatsoever. I just like, like, you know what, I like this cover. I think it's hilarious that they're like mm-hmm. doing a satire of the Meet the Beatles, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I love that reference and you know what I'm going to buy this and that's when it clicked that hey the residents are awesome yeah you know I, I just no, that, yeah, that's a really good point yeah like I don't know if I would have gotten into the residents without having heard Wayne and Mr. Bungle yeah no those you are know? those are like so, the, the first two like Mr. Bungle and Wayne are probably and Beck early Beck mm-hmm. Those are, like, my three, like, sort of entry points into, like, weirder music. Because mm-hmm. from, from them, I went back and listened to The Residents. I went back and listened to Captain Beefheart. I went right. back and listened to Frank Zappa. 
you know, mm -hmm. and the mothers of invention and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and it, yeah, man, like, so in a way, I'm, I'm pissed off that I, you know, this had to be introduced to me now. Um, right. And I'm glad that you put this on your list because this is just like, I'm coming back to this all the time, I think. Yeah. At least for a while. Um, and apparently they have a second record, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. I wonder what that second record is about. I wonder if it's any good. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious. I think That'd this... be great if it was one of the worst things we've ever <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was, like, just complete, like, disco. They just, yeah. they tried to become, like, popular in the 70s. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that stuff has happened. I mean, I... I couldn't I couldn't say this for sure, but I heard that uh the Bee Gees were great until they turned disco. Like Oh yeah. Yeah, their their early records are really great. I've never heard any I always thought Bee Gees were always a disco band. Like, yeah, so did I until I I didn't. <laughs> and then well, I realized they were really great. Yeah. And I still think it's hilarious that they were picked to uh be in the Sgt. Pepper's movie. Yeah, that's a pretty bad movie. That's a really bizarre thing. That and the whole, like, Kiss meets the Phantom at the park. I, I mean, like that one, though. No, it's I, kind I, of endearing. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I did, too. I loved it, too. But, like, man, it's like bands don't make movies like that anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did, I, I wonder did you know why. that Cheap Trick was supposed to be in Rock and Roll High School? Were they supposed to be the ones instead of Ramones? Yeah. Wouldn't that have been terrible? That would have been, yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, am... I love Cheap Trick. Um, so yeah. does so does so did Joey Ramone. Uh, oh yeah. There was Makes actually sense. a um, uh, there's a documentary you can watch if you're interested in this at all. Um, I'm a sucker for music documentaries, even mm -hmm. even if it's about about bad music. But uh, it, it's about the Lollapalooza up until '97. Hmm. Or 96, excuse me, because 96 okay. was the last... 97 was the last year, but 96 was the year that a lot of people say Lollapalooza died because that's the year that Metallica headlined. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And uh, anyway, so there's... That year was Metallica. This is like the weirdest lineup. It was like Metallica, um, Soundgarden... Which that totally makes sense, but then mm -hmm. it, then there was this band called Psychotica, who I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you're familiar with. It um, sounds bad. Yeah, they <laughs> they were they were like that sort of gothy, sort of like I don't even want to say new metal because this pretty much, well I guess Corn and Limp, Corn was out, Deftones was out, but it pretty much predates new metal. Like, hmm. when new metal blew up and everybody became new metal. You know what I mean? Okay. So, hmm. I would say it was more of like a... Almost like a white zombie thing, maybe, or something. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, Psychotica. But then, like, throughout the whole summer, a bunch of acts just made appearances. Like, Rage Against the Machine would show up. Um, and uh, in, the, in the Illinois, I think they played Rockford, Illinois, Cheap Trick showed up to play. Hmm. And uh, nice. there's this footage of Cheap Trick playing Surrender, and Joey Ramone comes out mm -hmm. and sings Surrender with Cheap Trick. Nice. And then 
he is backstage with Rancid because Rancid is part of the deal. Uh, Ramones and Rancid. It was actually Ramones' last tour, like Lollapalooza '96 was, and Rancid were also part of the tour. And so uh, Lars Fredrickson from Rancid was playing mm-hmm. the Penhead every day <laughs> during <laughs> Ramones. And I remember like they they go over to La, you know, like Joey Ramones, like. Yeah, I got to sing with Cheap Trick today, and I've always been a big fan. And then Lars, Lars is like, "Yeah, I, uh, I get to be the pinhead for my favorite group of all time, the Ramones." And he's like, "And uh, Johnny just had to make sure that my references checked out." <laughs> Apparently, Johnny Ramone was a actually like kind of a hard ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you, up as well. have you yeah. seen the uh, documentary End of the Century? Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's, it's one of my favorites. Fantastic. Yeah. I but man, man, did I feel bad for like Joey? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just it just seemed like he was a human punching bag half the time. Yeah. It really did. They didn't didn't paint their relationship as being very good yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, but. The Ramones are still, in my opinion, one of the best bands in existence. I mean, yeah, that absolutely. ever existed. I mean, I don't care what anyone says. They didn't make the same record over and over again. No, not I, even. They didn't even make the same record once. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, if you compare songs like Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World versus, you know, Now I Want to Sniff Some Blue, those aren't even they're not even comparable except it's the same instrumentation you know i think like it doesn't there's not a sameness to what the ramones did even on the each record so i I think the reason why the first four but particularly probably the first three self-titled leave home and uh, rocket to russia Mm -hmm. why they get lumped in together so hard is because they do sound similar like mm-hmm. right. their production. I mean, they were recorded. Two of them were recorded the same year, same mm-hmm. studio, same producer. Right. I think even Road to Ruin was recorded. It wasn't until uh, end of the century when they got Psycho, uh, the one that just died. Um, <laughs> Phil Spector. Murder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Phil Spector. Uh, well, wasn't isn't that what happened? Didn't he like convict, get convicted for murder or something? Uh, he was on trial for murder. I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, I'm not sure if he that. got convicted. But anyway, maybe I probably <laughs> shouldn't say that without knowing for sure what happened. But from what <laughs> yeah, I he's dead. What is he going to see? That's true. That's true. No, but for real though, Phil Spector did put out some amazing records. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love End of the Century. Um, yeah. And uh, he also produced a lot of other good stuff. But anyway, uh, it wasn't until Phil Spector when you really started to hear like the different stuff that Ramones could do, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where rock and roll high school came in. Right. So would cheap trick. <laughs> so, okay. The song, my question then question of the day. Um, if cheap trick would have been in rock and roll high school, would they have then performed the song rock and roll high school? I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know if that was the name of the movie in its original like incarnation. What was it? Power you know? Pop High School? 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, wouldn't that be great? Power bomb high school? <laughs> I think they probably just realized they had already made the movie Over the Edge with Chief Trick's music. <laughs> yeah. Where a bunch of delinquents blow up the school. It's like, why are they going to make that again? Yeah. That movie's phenomenal, by the way. When Over the Edge, yeah. Ser- oh, my God. Yes. The soundtrack is killer. I haven't seen that movie forever, but I do remember it's watching it. It's just as good. Yeah. It's just as good. When that kid says, or uh, was it Matt Damon? He says, any kid that tells on another kid is a dead kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shit's awesome. That is fucking awesome, yeah. Uh, uh, that was, anyway. <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that that was Kurt Cobain's favorite movie, too. Oh, really? It. Oh, man. I saw it when I stayed home sick once when I was probably like 12 years old and like it was on like A&E or something and uh, I just I was obsessed the rest of my life until I saw River's Edge and like then I was obsessed with that very similar movie so so what is your what is your favorite movie of all time um probably Night of the Hunter okay yeah uh, with Robert Mitchum it's um it's really good uh, it's really every time I see it, it's like a, a a dream. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but yeah, I love it. Uh, but I also like just about any movie about juvenile delinquents. You know? Sure, <laughs> so, sure. Uh, did you like Kids? I haven't seen Kids since it came out. Um, uh-huh. I've been meaning to see it uh, again, but um. I did really like, uh, there was um, a movie by the same person, um, oh, what's uh, his name? Larry Clark. Yeah, there not, was a... Uh, Harmony Korean. Yeah, um, he, had a, he had a couple of Larry Clark. Uh, what's that? He had, a, he had a, a couple, three movies after Kids. Yeah. Uh, one of them I really liked was called What's Up Rockers. Yeah, What's Up Rockers. That yeah, was so super good. good. Yeah. So that I love that. Fun. I love that one part where uh, that kid like is at the girl's house and the parents like come home and he jumps from yeah. like <laughs> a three-story house into a pool. It's like yeah. that kind of stuff is like there's no reason why anybody should ever survive something like that. Yeah, (laughs) he just like comes up and he just like runs away like no problem it's like if i did that i would break my knees i would like i would there's no way i would survive that or at least i would be in like massive amounts of pain it's kind of like the uh well like my favorite movie of all time is stand by me Mm, nice and it's like that part where um Vern and uh gordy are walking mm-hmm. across the train tracks and that train comes. And so they they run to the very end and Gordy grabs Vern because Vern's too scared. Like, because he's sitting, mm-hmm. he's he like crawling on the train. Do you remember yeah. that scene? Yep. He grabs Vern because the train was going to literally hit them if they wouldn't have jumped. And they both just jump and they land on like this pile of rocks and dust. It's like, man, like, <laughs> it's just, there's no way anybody could survive. I guess that's why they're called yeah. movies. <laughs> it's why they're called movies. 
Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> don't don't try this at home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can, but you'll probably get really hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I mean, got your choice. life. <laughs> hey, you yeah, no, no, yeah, no, can you? It's your right, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. So um, so what we accomplished on this episode are three <laughs> picks, and I almost yeah. cut you off at your third. I I apologize for that again. No problem. Um, we talked about cheap trick. We mm-hmm. talked about the Ramones. Mm-hmm. We, for the first 10 minutes, we were talking about something, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> anyway, we, yeah, talked about we talked about something the first 10 minutes. You guys will know what it is. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just want to remind everybody that there is a YouTube video that exists with uh, me and Eric talking about the Mad Villain record. Um, yeah, this is on Spotify, this is on Content Made Right, and this is on Transistor. Links are in both of our Instagrams. And, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for the support, everyone. Uh, signing off now. (laughs) And everybody have a good night. Oh, by the way, uh, my name's Dan. (laughs) And I'm Eric. All right. You guys have a good night. (laughs) Good night.